Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, everyone. We are glad that you are with us uh, this morning, that you're joining us online. I hope you are doing well. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at First Baptist Hanford. And we're continuing on uh, through the book of Galatians in our series, Jesus Plus Nothing. And today we're going to get an opportunity really uh, to look at the end of chapter 3 into verse 4. And so if you have your Bibles, you have your phone, you have a digital Bible, whatever it may be, we're going to start Uh, in chapter 3, verse 26, and proceed all the way through uh, chapter 4, verse 7. But before we get to that, uh, I want you to think for a second uh, of of the coaching career of the most winningest coach in Division I basketball history, a man by the name of Bobby Knight. Um, You know, you see, Bobby Knight actually coached some very, very impressive players. Uh, He coached guys like Isaiah Thomas. He coached Michael Jordan when he was on uh, the Olympic team. He coached a whole lot of other notable players as well. Um, And and I, I think the question would be, well, such an iconic coach like that, who do you think his favorite player was that he ever coached? There's a, uh, a picture of, uh, of Bobby Knight in the newspaper at the height of his coaching career, at the end of one of, a, uh, one of their regular seasons, and he's crying and he's hugging uh, a player. And he's not known, Bobby Knight's not known for showing uh, much affection or positive emotion. He's known for wearing a bright red sweater and throwing chairs across the basketball court. This isn't the case here. He's actually sobbing, crying um, as he is hugging this player. And he's actually hugging his son. His name was Patrick. They called him Pat, who was finishing his fourth year of playing for his dad. Uh, The caption to that picture stated that Coach Knight said his son Pat was his favorite player of all time. So why was Pat his most favorite player? Answer is obvious, pretty obvious. You know, even though he had coached MVPs, he'd coached national championship teams. Uh, some of those guys that he coached were later uh, become NBA champions and that sort of thing. But Pat Knight was destined for none of those honors. Pat Knight was simply his favorite player because he was his son. You know, Pat Knight, he, uh, he finished below all of those different elite players that Knight coached. And in the four years uh, that Pat played, he was never a starter. So why was he the coach's favorite then? The reason's obvious. It had nothing to do with scoring ability, had nothing to do with ball handling, had nothing to do uh, with defensive effort or anything like that. He was the coach's favorite only because he is the coach's son. This tells us about the power of sonship, that it has nothing to do with achievement. Nothing to do with achievement. It has nothing to do with accomplishment. It has everything to do with being in relation to the Father. I think the idea of belonging really is something that's important to everyone in some way, shape, or form. All of us want to belong to something. Actually, for a lot of people, this idea of belonging really shapes a huge part of their identity. Think about the things that define who you are. A lot of times those definitions have a lot to do with other people who you happen to be associated with in those different arenas. I would define myself as a husband, okay? Me defining myself in that way is in direct relation to me having a wife. The same way that I would define myself as a father. 
I define myself as a father because there are other people in my life who make that definition true. Think about your ideologies or people whom you follow and draw inspiration from. All of these things have a lot to do with our identity, which is oftentimes formed because of your relation to something or someone. A lot of us listening today are Christians, and we are defined not because of what we have done, but because of the relationship that we have with Jesus. So this idea of, of belonging and our identity is actually incredibly important. And I think that as you are deciding to follow Jesus, we've really kind of lost our identity a bit because of the culture in which we find Christianity today. It's often thought that Christianity is kind of a bunch of rules and your ticket into heaven. Like that's what we've attributed Christianity up to a lot of times in Western culture. But what we've forgotten and what Paul is going to talk through today is that each of us have the privilege of being in relation to God. We have the privilege of being in relation to him. So this portion of scripture that we're covering today in Galatians 3 through 4, 7 is about sonship. And, and we find here about the tremendous privilege of sonship that comes with our faith in Christ. You know, we became sons of God when we trusted Christ as our Savior. We actually became a child of the King. We are legal heirs to God's spiritual riches, as it were. And Paul really isn't the only New Testament author to, to emphasize sonship. Actually, the disciple John tells us about it too. He says in John 1.12, he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? children of God. So this idea of sonship, this isn't foreign, this isn't new, this is something that is written about in detail, that we take pride in who it is that we belong to. So let's kick it off Galatians 3, 26 to 29. It says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We covered this briefly last week. We're going to go a little bit more in depth uh, today. If you're a Christian, if you've recognized your sin, you've repented, you've put your faith in Christ, then you are, you are no longer a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. You are a full-fledged son of the Heavenly Father. You are an heir of the Heavenly Father. How are you given the status of a son or daughter? Was it by your merit? No. Was it, was it because of your social standing or your education or because you were following religious regulations? Again, of course, the answer is no. It came only and it comes only through faith in Christ. So it had nothing to do with you. In the same way that, that if you have kids, they had nothing to do with being born to you. My sons had nothing to do with being born to me. That was up, obviously up to Sarah and I. They had nothing to do with being born to us, but they are our sons and daughters because of us, through no merit of their own. I, I do want to take a second right here and, and talk about verse 27, because as Baptists, we need to understand the context in which verse 27 is happening. Verse 27 does talk about baptism. Specifically, it says this, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, closed your, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay. What this is not saying, 
is that in order to gain salvation, you have to be baptized. It is not saying that. You were baptized spiritually when you became a Christian. Okay, meaning that the Holy Spirit come up, came, took residence up inside of you. You are spiritually clean and you were baptized at the point of your salvation spiritually. You are spiritually baptized. And once you have been saved, there is nothing else you have to do in order to inherit the kingdom of God. You're done. And that includes the act of physical baptism. So, do you need to be baptized to go to heaven? No. So, there are a lot of people who believe that in order to be saved, you need to be baptized. We do not believe that. Why don't we believe that? Because as soon as we expect people to be baptized in order to get to heaven, we are adding to their requirements to salvation again in the same way that the Judaizers, the church of Galatia, was adding to their requirements for salvation as well. So what's the message to the church of Galatia? Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus baptism, okay? or Jesus plus circumcision, or Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus plus nothing. Now that being said, your water baptism is an outward testimony of your new life, of your decision to follow Christ. It signifies your new relationship. So when you study baptism in the New Testament, you find a very specific pattern. Yeah, the pattern is this. They heard, they believed, and they were baptized. That's the pattern. Baptism is a biblical mandate, and it's the command of Christ. Is your self, does your salvation depend on it? No, absolutely not. So if you are listening today and you're like, hey, I haven't been baptized. We haven't baptized anybody around here in a long time because of COVID and all that stuff. We are putting plans in place to be able to figure out baptism for those of you who have been waiting. But for those of you who are yet to be baptized but have placed their faith in Christ, we have an opportunity for you to take our FBH family class in the coming weeks. If you are on the app, you can go to the little events page right there on the bottom uh, and you can register for FBH family and you will uh, go ahead and get started in the process of being able to get baptized with us. But that being said, you do not have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. However, it is a biblical mandate for us to get baptized. So only those who have done what's required in verse 26, that is they've put their faith in Christ, are candidates for baptism though. So unless you've placed your faith in Christ, you don't get baptized. Okay? Verse 26, that's the idea of, of believer's baptism. You put your faith in Christ and then you get baptized. That's what we believe here at First Baptist is the idea of believer's baptism. Verse 26, where it says, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's argument is faith in Christ plus nothing brings salvation. Your baptism is in no way a part of your sonship. Your baptism is in no way a part of you being a child of God. But let's keep going. We're going to get to a very famous passage that we have in verse 28. Okay. Verse 28 talks about the idea that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free nor, free nor male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all on equal footing, essentially. This statement is monumental, okay, for first century, uh, for the first century men and women, for slaves. These people, they had no rights at all. They had no rights in that era and time that they lived. There are no divisions here now. There's no divisions between Jews and Greeks, slave or free, male or female. Everybody was one in Christ, Every single person enters into God's family by adoption. Okay, the same spiritual privilege is available for everybody. There is equality 
across the board, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've come from. Paul is not denying this idea of different roles for men and women. He's not denying the idea that there are, there are such things as different races and that sort of thing. Paul's not denying that. Paul is saying, though, that when we are adopted into the kingdom of heaven, everybody is equal, period. Everybody is equal. If you're a son of God, or a daughter of God, a child of the king, then your relationship with other Christians is fellow sons and brothers and sisters. You know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. All humanity has God as creator. All humans are fellow creations of God, and we are all made in his image as well. That's what Paul is arguing here. So let's keep going. Galatians 4. It says this, what, am I, what I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. We are heirs. Each and every one of us are heirs of the promised blessings to Abraham's descendants. All These promises are for all of us who put our faith in Christ, heirs to God's kingdom. That's what it's saying here in verses 1 through 3. Paul, we need to remember, is is a doctrinal preacher. He's a doctrinal writer, and Galatians really is theologically intricate. You have to have a lot of context to fully understand what is going down in the book of Galatians. That's why it's been so heavy the last couple weeks to understand the Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic law, Judaizers, everything that was going, like distorted gospel, all of these different things that we've been talking through over the course of the last three, three, three to four weeks. Okay, the gospel really is an intricate one as Paul is kind of dissecting it in the book of Galatians, but overall it's simple. Paul is practical as well, and he's illustrating here with an illustration that would have really been understood more readily available in his day. Okay, verses one through three here really is about this Roman custom of a child that comes to age, right? In Rome at that time, when a child became an adult, it was fixed by the father. Okay, under, under the law, we are children without adult privileges. Like under the law, we are children without adult privileges, under restrictions, if you will. Okay? Back when the kids were little, uh, we had installed like the child safety locks and procedures and, you know, all of that stuff, right? You put the little plugs in the outlets so no kids can stick their fingers in there and electrocute themselves and all of those things. Uh, but because of the fact that our, our kid was precious, precious family member, but, but as a toddler... Obviously, our kids were under certain restrictions. As a matter of fact, we just, for the first time, I think in like 11 years, got a coffee table to put back in our house, right? Because none of our kids are going to slam their forehead against the coffee table anymore because they have what we call balance, okay? So that being said, like, like this is the same thing that's going on. Okay. The time came, though, to remove those restrictions. The time came we were like, hey, you know what? We don't need to restrict ourselves from getting a coffee table anymore. Let's put something in with really sharp edges because no one could get hurt on that anymore. Okay. So those restrictions were, were moved. When Christ came, the slavery under the law and the restrictions were done away with and, and the elementary devices really at that point were put away, it was time for liberty. It was time for freedom at that point. Paul says an heir doesn't enjoy the benefits until he comes to age. In Christ, we have come of age is what he's talking about. We're no longer subject to restrictions. We're no longer subject 
to the law. We have come of age and we have freedom in Christ. So let's keep pushing through. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit out of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So here Paul speaks of spiritual freedom in Galatians 4, 4 to 7. And there's great impact behind verse 4. Jesus comes in God's fullness of time. God brought forth his son in perfect timing in verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son. It wasn't until then that God was ready. He sent his son. God brought forth his son, his son who was born of a woman, his son who was born under the law. He came at the appointed time to redeem us from our sins. Everything good about us, we received at our redemption. In Christ, we have been redeemed with eternal value. Why? Not because of anything we've done, but because we are God's sons and daughters. We receive our full rights as sons. We received our full rights as sons and daughters of God. Before, you know, we find in verse 7, you were a slave, you're a captive prisoner, but you were set free now as a child of God. And we can cry out as, as Abba, Father. Abba is a term of, of familiarity. It would be kind of the equivalent of us saying daddy to somebody. Hopefully your dad. But saying daddy, right? A term we would use like that. We, 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 we have that kind of relationship now with our Heavenly Father, that familiarity. Our Heavenly Father who spoke the universe into existence. In, ver, in verse 7 it says, since you are a son, you are an heir. You have this great redemption. In verse 6, God talks about the, the, like the spirit of God for all believers, for everyone. You have faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. You want to know more about the Holy Spirit? Go back and listen to our series on the Holy Spirit that we did just a couple months ago. You may have been, like, been asked before in your life, like, how are you doing? How are things going for you? And, you know, we have niceties, we're polite and that sort of thing. You respond, well, fine, I'm fine. But you are, we are adopted sons and daughters of God. We get the opportunity to relate intimately to the creator of the universe. We get that opportunity and so often we're just walking around with our hands in our pockets saying, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. The spirit of Christ, man, it should be your heart when you're redeemed by God. And from a, from a theological perspective, you are a child of God. You are something special. You are something of worth. Do you realize how special you are? Do you realize how special you are? I hope you do. I hope you do. Because God has a special place in his heart for each and every one of us. That's a cry of a father's heart. For any of you who have a, a good relationship with your father, and I know many don't. But for any of you who have a, a good relationship with your father, you know that you can go to your dad and regardless of what it is that you've done, that he has a spot for you in his heart. He has a spot for you 
in his heart, and we have this privilege with God. It is available to each and every one of us. So each of us really does fall into one of two categories then. The first category is that you don't know Jesus yet. And if that's you, I want, I want you to recognize that this isn't merely about going to heaven. This isn't merely about following a whole bunch of rules on earth. So while your time on earth is happy, like that's not what this is about. This is about being adopted into a family. This is about having belonging. You're adopted into a family about sonship, about belonging, about being part of the greatest family you could ever imagine because you have the greatest father who has ever existed. That's what this is about. We talk so much about going to heaven, but we also get the opportunity here and now to experience this unreal grace and peace in a way that you cannot experience outside of being a son or daughter of the living God. It's impossible. So if you have not said yes to God yet, you'll have an opportunity at the end of this message to say yes in just a couple minutes. The second category is the category that the rest of us fall into. The rest of us who call Jesus our Savior, but we have forgotten that we are indeed sons and daughters of the only king that matters. We are heirs of the only kingdom that matters. Regardless of where we live, regardless of governmental structure, regardless of whatever, that we are sons and daughters, we are heirs to the only king in the only kingdom that matters. And it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. And because of that, we want to extend the same grace and the same love to other people because we want them to experience that same grace and that same love that we enjoy every single day because we belong. Because we're a part of the family of God. Then we get to the question of, well, what then would the church look like? What would the church look like if the church acted like our dad? If the church acted like Abba, Father? What would that look like if we acted like and represented ourselves as sons and daughters of the living God? God created us in his image. He created us and we have his name. We are his image bearers. He created us in his image. And if we merely proclaimed his name in a way that showed that, that, that we love other people, the church would not be being pushed to the fringe of society right now. If we began to, to act like our dad. If we, we, we began to truly own his name. The church, rather than being pushed to the fringe, would be the bedrock of love. And simply and the, the alternative worldview that it was intended to be. That Christianity was never supposed to fit inside another ideology. That we were supposed to fit within the family of God. And we are heirs to his kingdom. That we are his sons and daughters. And as we continue to look more and more like our heavenly father, people get an opportunity to find him through us. They get an opportunity to find their true spiritual father. 
they get an opportunity to belong. They get an opportunity to become sons and daughters of the one true and living king. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, God, we thank you for today. And God, I thank you for sonship. I thank you that I get to belong. I get to belong to you. I get to belong in your family. That I am an heir to your kingdom. That I am privileged to be an heir. I am privileged to bear your image. I'm privileged to be able to speak to you, to have an intimate relationship with you. And God, that I would, I would remember that regularly because we so often forget the God that we serve is massive and loves us and we're heirs to your kingdom. So God, thank you for that. Make us recognize that daily. And for those people, God, that, that maybe don't yet know you, that fall into that first category, who don't yet belong, who are not sons and daughters of you yet, God, I pray your spirit would call them. And if that's them, that they would pray along with me. They can do so silently in the quiet of their heart. They would just say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. That God, I mess up all the time. My sin seems to precede me. Every single day I fall short of your desire for my life. And I admit that God, but B, I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. That he conquered death. And that he made me an heir to your kingdom because of that. And see, Father, that I would choose to follow you every single day. That I would recognize who I belong to. I would recognize the image that I bear. And it's yours. And that as I am out in the world, as I am out among my oikos, as I am out talking with other people. And God, they would recognize it's you that defines my life. It's you that defines my identity. It's you that I belong to. I pray it would be apparent every single day. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.